0: Welcome to the tomato grafting class. There's a note here. My name is Luke Fisher. This is my wife Shantae. We are from Bristow, Oklahoma. We are market gardeners. We grow, um, we have a couple high tunnels that we grow tomatoes in every year and we've been grafting tomatoes for the last number of years. You're at the tomato grafting class. But before we get any further along, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come here to meet together, to share, to learn, and we ask that you would uh, bless this class and may it be profitable to those present. Amen. Okay, so I had a few pictures but not sure where the HDMI cord is on this setup, but we'll get by without them. Um, So why would you graft a tomato plant? Any guesses? What is grafting a tomato plant? Disease resistance. All right, so here's the basic principle: we take a disease-resistant, vigorous rootstock, and what they do for tomatoes is they do a wide cross between a, a conventional tomato and a wild tomato relative. It's a wide cross that um, that so they like some a jungle vine tomato and a typical tomato. They hybridize those and select for disease resistance and vigor, taking no account for fruit quality. So a uh, rootstock tomato will make little green berries that never get red, never taste good, never, anyway, you don't want to, they're not good for eating. But we'll accidentally drop some, or they're, they've naturalized in our seed starting house or something, and we'll have a few plants that will, they'll grow and flourish all season, never being watered right out among the weeds and grass and just grow a big nice bush with little green berries on it. So um, they're quite impressive tomato plants except for they don't have good fruit. So what we do is we cut the top off, we cut the top off of the tomato we want to eat um, and the top off of the root stock and then we mix match the roots with the top. Um, There are two, the typical method is called a, a top graft, a splice graft, and you just cut at about a sixty-degree angle right across the top of both of those, clip them together with some little silicone clips. They're in a basket around here somewhere. Yeah, see, I don't know if you can see that picture or not. Can you? It's kind of small, but you'll be able to look at the in-person things here in a bit. Now, um, the re, another reason why we do it, in addition to disease, disease resistance, is that increased Uh, Vigor and longevity just from the vigor of the roots Typically you hope to get about a 50% increase in production um, over Over in a typical short unheated high tunnel season so for example um, Some common varieties like uh, big beef and Geronimo you might get 17 pounds per plant ungrafted and 29 pounds per plant Grafted. That's according to one of Johnny's um, high tunnel tomato grafting trials. Really, I'll tell you how I learned how to graft tomatoes. I went to johnnyseeds.com, went to their grower library, and watched their little video on how to graft tomatoes. And um, then tried it myself. And so that's everything I know about grafting tomatoes, I just learned from doing that and you can go do that too. If you order, I there's several typical rootstock tomato seeds. We usually get ours from Johnny's and we'll talk about those. Um, but if you order those seeds, they'll mail you with the seeds a whole packet with all the instructions on how to graft your tomatoes, how to heal them, all the whole process. And I'm not going to be able to teach you anything more than I learned from those, plus I mean I can we'll share our experience um, but but that's that's the basic the basic overview
1: um, I want to say that in our experience grafting is a mixture of an art and a science and the actual grafting I think is the simple part in our operation I usually do all the grafting because having smaller fingers is easier when you're dealing with little plants um, and he does all the recovery but, to be honest, the recovery is much more challenging than the actual grafting. You want to do the grafting properly, and it'll make the recovery easier, but the recovery time is is where you really need to... And I feel like this is where experience does help, because you get to learn what signs your little tomato plants are giving off and what to do about them. Um, and Though it's extremely helpful to like go to the Johnny's website and read and you can't just follow all the instructions and know that for sure your grafted tomatoes are going to turn out perfect. You really just need to do it and and learn it and as they'll say on the Johnny's website, you just have to do a lot of fiddling and fiddle and fiddle and fiddle (laughs) and you'll start to learn. You'll start to learn and be able to have better and better success.
0: Um, So we're going to share a few tricks of the trade, um, something from our experience. And, um, and that starts with starting your seedlings. I don't know, I think Shante, can you walk around with some of these, these packets and you'll, you'll be able to, oh that one's a whole tray stuck together. Um, these are rootstock tomatoes, they look different, the leaves look a little different. That's a, this is Estamino, 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 I don't know how to pronounce it exactly, and, and big beef. Now, do you see these small little tomato plants here? These are, these are green zebra. Now, do you, what do you notice about the difference between the big beefs and the green zebras? Well, the uh, big beefs are bigger than the green zebras are. They were started the same day. Yeah. Uh, I started these about three weeks ago. I've um, been growing them under grow lights. It's a little bit early season for starting tomatoes. We'll talk about our timeline in a bit. But basically, different tomatoes sprout and grow at different rates. Estamino sprouts slowly. We started these how many days early? Four, three, four days early? Um, and, and, and a little bit uneven germination. Now, there's several rootstocks I'll talk about. The, the, the common ones, if you're buying from Johnny's, they sell three different ones right now. They are Maxifort, Estamino and dro one f 4 uh, some numbers. It's uh, just a number one. And um, they have different growth characteristics. And you want your stems to be the same size when you go to graft. So one thing that you want to do is do a test germination a few weeks before to see how fast all your seeds are sprouting, how vigorous they're growing. So then you'll know, okay, we need to start three days ahead of big beef if we want them the same size when we go to graft. But maybe the the uh, only one day ahead for green zebra, for instance. So that's one tip, is ju- knowing that you're, knowing the sprouting growing qualities of your tomatoes. Uh, the DR1, 4X, whatever that one is, um, it's a vigorous, fast vigorous sprouter. You probably start it the same day as big beef and it will keep up. Um, Uh, Maxifort is very uneven germination. Some will sprout soon, some will sprout later. You probably want to do uh, multiple seedings of your top plant to match your uneven germination of your bottom plant. Um, Estimino just is a slow sprouter, but it's fairly even, more even than the the Maxifort. So that's one thing. Um, The other thing is choosing your rootstock and you're going to choose your rootstock. I don't know, how many of you grown tomatoes before? Um, so there's something that we have to consider called the, the, the balance of the plant. Vegetative versus generative. Um, uh, the generative side is the fruit. The vegetative side is the leaves and stems. And if you have it too vegetative, it makes a big plant with very few fruits. And the ones that are there take a long time to get ripe. If you have it too generative, it'll make fruit early, but it won't put any energy into growing the stem taller, and it'll peter out and not make very many fruits, just a few early that get ripe, but the plant doesn't have a long season. So if you balance those, you make fruits and keep growing, make fruits, keep growing, make fruits, keep growing, and that's what you're seeking if you're doing um want to do a longer season of tomatoes. Typically we're grafting indeterminate tomatoes that are trellised in some way so we get a longer season. These will get 12 feet, 15 feet. Oh, wow. We can't reach those so we have to lower them and lean them. Or you might just grow them to 8 feet and cut them off. you know. But they'll, you have a longer season vine. Um, with, so you have to then match the natural vigor of the top with the vigor of the bottom. So the, the rootstock Estimino that we're using right here is a generative rootstock that is better for a short or medium season, not for a 12, 12 month heated greenhouse production, except for a few cases. Some naturally vigorous um, heirloom type or cherry tomato type tops. Cherry tomatoes, you want to put them on onto Estimino or a, other, another um, generative rootstock. If you put them onto Maxifort, which is a su- super vegetative, they'll just be such long vines that they won't, you won't know what to do with them. So you so you have to balance them. Um, some like Johnny's recommends. If you look at if you if you peruse the Johnny's website, they have an heirloom hybrid series: the Marbone, Marnero, Margold. Those are naturally vigorous plants that do well balanced onto Estamino rootstock. Um, some of the other, if you're, but if you're doing, if you've got a long season, big, you're growing big tomatoes, um, and uh, people will grow Maxifort, or a medium length, the DR01 um, number rootstock that they sell, is kind of in between. It's a vigorous but easier to balance rootstock. We almost use all Estamino. Um, Though I think we will try some of the medium ones as well this year as well. So choosing your rootstock, getting your seeds started, um, the right timing. When to start your seeds. Grafting is going to set your plants back a full week um, compared to, so if you know when you want to put your tomatoes out into the garden from a normal seedling, you want to start a week sooner than that because the whole healing grafting process is going to set the plants back a week in timing. so you're just gonna subtract a week. We put our tomatoes out into unheated high tunnel between mid-March and 1st of April in Oklahoma. We're still at risk for frost even in a tunnel, so we have the, sometimes may need to cover them with row covers there, but that's our target. Um, a lot of growers will pot their plants up after they're, after they're grafted into four inch pot or four and a half inch pot, and they can keep them for a few weeks after grafting in that before they need to go out. Um, We pot some of ours up into six inches and we we get about eight weeks from seeding before they have to go out. Um, And the four inch maybe you only get six weeks from seeding. So um, if you're planting into the out of doors just take into consideration your frost dates. We're going to start starting tomatoes when we get back from this conference. Start our first ones and then stagger it over a few week period. Um, so that's these plants right here. If you live in the north, you're going to have to keep them warm, growing in a big pot in your window or something. If you're in the south and have a, in a caterpillar tunnel in your backyard or something like this, then you'll be in business for some early tomatoes. Um, where are we going next, Chante? Anything else?
1: I just want to say that I think it's really valuable to do your own trialing and experimenting. Um, You know it's really useful to hear the trials that a company like Johnny's does but you know they're growing tomatoes up in Maine which is different from growing tomatoes in other places of the country so we've not been very good at like recording data it's not our strong point either one of us Mm -hmm. but we have paid attention um, to the varieties that do better and we have done some you know ungrafted right next to grafted and that's been um, very useful for us and really convinced us that grafting is definitely worth our while. Even though it's some trouble, even though you can't get a 100% success rate so you lose some plants and the seeds are expensive, but it's we have, we're totally convinced after several years of doing it that it's absolutely worthwhile and are still in the process of learning which varieties really do the best in our area.
0: All right, so um, basically... All you have to do is slice those plants off with a razor blade, stick them together, and put them in a humid, dark place that's about 70 to 80 degrees.
1: So let me do one, one demonstration.
0: For three or four days, and then start uh, acclimatizing them back to the outside world. That's the, that's the very short summary. Do you have paper towel or something? I didn't bring a paper towel. This is already alcohol, though.
1: Okay. Alright, so one of the things that I try to do when I'm grafting is to start off with a clean space, um, wipe down my table with, we usually have like an alcohol solution either in a spray bottle or wet a cloth with it and make sure the area is clean and so you're not going to be introducing disease into your tomato plants as you're grafting.
0: A 10% bleach solution might be better even than the alcohol, but we just use alcohol. It's uh, less likely to stain your clothes. We have fairly good we have probably, what do you think, 80% survival rate?
1: It depends on the year. Like if we have a unfortunate um, disaster that really sets back our stats. On some good years we can have a 95% success rate. Um, we've had years that are more like 70 because they're usually circumstances beyond our control. But anyway, I think a good average would be about 85%. Do you want to hold that for me?
0: Yeah. So this right here is um, a little tool that you can buy from Johnny's or other places. It's not necessary. We have straight razors. I did it for years with straight razor blade before we got these. But if you're going to do 500 plants or something like this, this is definitely faster and more consistent Um, and takes take some of the skill out of it
1: okay so when I'm grafting I look at my the the bottoms and the tops together and like Luke was saying it's important to get the stems as close in size as possible you have a little bit of of leeway especially when you're dealing with um, like these big beefs over here have already gotten a little bit leggy as you can see and The stems can be slightly different diameters up and down, so like um, there's one here in particular that I could graft it closer to the top if I need a smaller diameter, closer to the bottom if I need a larger one. So anyway, I just try to match my bottoms and tops. I think we should plant this one in here before I deal with it. Um, And then I just try to use a clean technique. Obviously dirt gets around the table, so I (laughs) clean as I go. Um, one thing that's just important is you want the surface of your graft to stay clean. So I'm often wiping my grafting knife. I used to use a, uh, a razor blade and sometimes I still do. I really, I, I enjoy free handing and sometimes this machine, I don't know, it works well. But uh, I think using a regular razor blade works just as well. This basically, the advantage of it is that it has some guides so that your cuts are exactly the same angle. Whereas with the razor blade, you kind of, thanks. You just have to eye that. So Luke, can you hold this for me? Okay, so it's very vital that you make the cut on your rootstock below the seed leaves. If you do it above the seed leaves, then you're going to get a bunch of suckers growing out of the rootstock, which you don't want. So I make the cut right below the seed leaves. Um, I don't do it much further down because then there's like almost no room for the clip to go on. There's usually only about half an inch or three quarters of an inch at most between the ground and the seed leaves. So the top of my cut has to still be below where that first node comes out. So I cut the top off. I'll tell you, get rid of that thing because you can get confused and I've grafted Rootstock tops to rootstock bottoms before
0: <laughs> yeah, she just throws them down on the ground underneath. Um, one thing is it's best to do your grafting in a indoors ideally or a shady place, basically out of the wind, out of the sun, um, in we We often do it in the evening. Um, I was uh, we were learning from. A grafting webinar that we took that um like two o'clock in the afternoon's a good time if you're and the reason for that is basically you want this there's a few things that you need to take into consideration when you're prepping your plants i'll go into that a little bit but i'll let Shante talk here
1: so i typically will um cut off my top with just a, a straight edge razor it's a lot easier to use than these ones for this part When the plants have gotten this big, you have to cut off some of the leaves um, for proper healing. So I'll cut it off something like that. You have to leave a few leaves, but you don't want to have so many. Um, If you're dealing with grafting smaller plants, they obviously won't have as many leaves and sometimes you don't have to cut any off at all. Um, I have found in our experience, like I like to graft plants that are just a little bit on the bigger side they seem to have a better survival rate for us with our methods than when they're really tiny.
0: Um, I'd say this is about perfect right here. What would you say Shanté? Yeah.
1: So anyway after I've trimmed the plants, and sometimes I'll trim them while they're still just sitting here, then I take this and make the next cut and just make sure sometimes little flecks of dirt and stuff can collect on the knife and we'll get dirt on the surface of the tomato. You want the grafted area that's going to be connecting to each other to be totally clean and not have any dirt or junk on it. So anyway, I slide the, uh, slide the clip on the bottom and I'll show you how to put the clip on after I put in the top.
0: The clip is clear so you can see through it.
1: Yeah. Um, so if I'm putting the clip on the cut, if I make the cut like this, you want to put the clip on. Um, basically, you want the cut to be. How do I say it?
0: Um, you want to see the cut through your clip, through the middle of your clip, the the slit in your clip.
1: Yeah. Um, if you if you have the clip placed so that the cut is facing back or forward, the top of the tomato can come out a lot a lot easier. So I'm just gonna. And look at how I placed it. These clips are actually, I don't remember what size these are, but these are a little bit small for the size of our plants. We have these plants at the biggest size that we ever graft.
0: Um, And they make a few different sizes of clips.
1: So 2.5 would be the best for this size. And I think these are either 2.0 or 1.5. We usually, we usually have all three sizes so that we can just use whichever clip works best.
0: Uh, yeah, these are some left over from last year. We, uh, we'll buy another bag this year to help us finish.
1: Um, we do save clips sometimes. Like they'll, they'll just naturally, as the plant grows, they'll just kind of pop off by themselves and you can go pick them up and make sure you clean them and dry them really well. You can use them again or you can just buy new ones, which is most of the time what we end up doing.
0: Alright, so we don't uh, transplant our tomato plants into cups um, when we're grafting. We typically we start all of our plants uh, for our own use in soil blocks inch and a half soil blocks And, and then as we are grafting them we'll drop them into a 50 cell plug tray like this, the blocks, just to stabilize them um, w- while they're in the healing chamber so they're not falling all around and other things like that. And so those soil blocks are nice to work with um, you can a lot of commercial people will graft right in a little six cell like this you can re- or they'll split split a larger one into strips um, like this you can do all your grafting right on right on the right in the tray um, and leave it growing there during the healing process and then after the healing process, they'll transplant them out into their larger pots. So I, that's what I would recommend if you were just doing it at home um, and had access to these but weren't soil blocking. Just graft right onto, right, leave, this, re, leave the rootstock right in the six pack and um, transplant them out after the healing is done.
1: Then I would say the, uh, the fun begins of the healing process. Um, This is where you can absolutely make it or break it. As I'm grafting, um, I don't know, I don't remember if Luke mentioned this, but I do it in the shade. And when I finish filling up a 50 cell tray like this, we immediately cover it, put it in the high humid environment. Like I don't just let these grafted plants sit out for a while until I'm done with the project. We get them as quickly as we can into the plant hospital so that they can begin the process of recovery. And uh, since that is Luke's department, okay. I will let him talk about it.
0: Um, I, so I, we have some like seven and a half inch domes that will go over a full uh, ten twenty tray, you and, and you can get those from online, from any nursery supply. From Donnie sells them, and we'll miss the inside of that, and and then cover up our whole tray of grafted plants. And we keep that misted and set over there in between the adding until we get our full tray filled up. But basically, um, you're going to mist the inside of that dome, cover those plants, and um, then you want to keep it humid, like 90 percent humidity. You don't want water dripping off the ends of the plants. Um, Sometimes I've misted the plants before, sometimes I've had problems with the plants getting uh, fungal issues from being too wet. If they're too dry, then they wilt. If they're too wet, then they mold. So, so basically, you want high humidity without keeping the plants uh, physically wet. That's the goal. So, misting the inside of the dome, then keeping it covered, we've found that if we're using a 1020 tray with a, with a humidity dome over it, it will not stay dry enough without regular misting not stay wet enough enough without regular misting or what we found is we'll just take saran wrap and just wrap that thing up so there's no leaks or cracks um, and then it'll keep its humidity for the full three or four days so that's what we do
1: right so then we we can actually leave it alone and not have to deal with it during that first really critical period of three or four days because the water's not getting out and it stays humid enough in there. Otherwise we used to have to be always you know lifting it up and adding more water and it just its more trouble. It's easier we found to make it airtight.
0: Um, So today, um, once we do in the cups we've got another cup we can put over top tape it up and then you want to keep it in the dark. Basically when photosynthesis happens you take sunlight, CO2, and water to make carbohydrates. Since we've cut the top of that plant off, there's no way for water to get to those leaves um, and um, through the stem until the healing has happened. So we want to cut out the photosynthesis for a few days. So we'll keep those in the complete dark. Um, We traditionally have not done a high-tech system. Um, It's best for it to be a nice, mild 70 to 80 degrees we've just saran wrapped the trays up, stuck them on top of the refrigerator and put a towel over them. Um, and it stays reasonably about the right temperature up there and, but, but if it's too cold it takes too long to heal. If it's too warm um, it stresses them a little bit. So just right in between 70 to 80 degrees is perfect. Now after three days I'll pull that towel off and just let them be in indirect light up there for another day or so. And after four to five days, then I start, I start venting a little bit, cut off the Saran, um, cut off the saran wrap, um, remist if I need to, but then keep higher airflow. Bring them out on into more indirect light on the countertop um, f- for another day, and then I'll take them out to the greenhouse and put them underneath one of the benches there for a day, and then, then we'll transplant them back. Transplant them out into their bigger pots after about a week. Now, after that, I would
1: say a week to ten days. A week
0: to ten days. She's right. Now, if you, if they've been t- too cool, they haven't healed as fast. Then it takes a little longer. Now, if you leave them in the dark too long, uh, the roots will starve and die because they haven't had enough. Haven't had enough. They've been too long without light. So you have that kind of critical period, week to ten days, to reach your healing stage. We transplant them out. Um, Ideally, you'll do it in the afternoon. They'll have have all night to get acclimatized out there before the sun comes up and if the next day is really sunny, I'll have to put those down onto the floor of the greenhouse off of the benches or put a little shade over them or something like that. The other thing we'll do for plants that are lagging a little bit behind, um, they start to wilt in their pot I'll just take a cup just like this and put it right over them in their big pot and, may, and put them back in the humidity dome, set, set that pot back under the, the bench in, in, the, in the seed starting house. So it's in a cooler, less direct light and put them back up the next day. And we save, basically, that really increases our survival rate. So we have maybe 25% of them are really struggling at the end of our process. And I can baby those long for another few days and save most of them.
1: Yeah, so I would say the most critical phase is like day five to nine, because at first you're just kind of leaving them alone. But then it's that weaning off process that you really should check them every couple of hours. And if they start to get a little bit wilty, then make sure you increase the humidity, decrease the light, and it'll really help them to perk up.
0: So let me see what else we wanted to share. If you're doing this on a larger commercial scale, um, a lot of people do it just the same way. They'll just have a whole sh- line of shelves of 1020 trays with the dome over them. And um, they'll keep the whole room dark. Or they'll make the whole room into it. Or they'll build uh, basically a humidity healing chamber with uh, covered in plastic take a, like a Vicks vapor humidifier from Target and adjust the humidity level and put a sensor in there that's checking the heat and humidity and, uh, and keep it all perfect and just run the plants through there. Um, we haven't gotten that high tech. We haven't even checked temperatures or humidities but basically uh, the rule of thumb is if you can see droplets of water on the outside of the dome, that's good. That's that's humid enough. If the dome gets dry, missed it. If the plants have drops of water on them, that's too much humidity and you need to vent a little bit.
1: We figure that most of you who would be grafting tomatoes would be doing it similarly to how we are, not making a big high-tech operation. So if you do, that's great and we would love to move that, that direction someday, but it's possible to do even at home, in your kitchen, on top of your refrigerator. It can work. Um, there's also a a second way to graft which we have not used but we are going to try because the way that we showed you is the simplest and the fastest but the other way actually has a higher survival rate because it has more surface area and that is to cut the plant off straight instead of at an angle and then use your little blade to cut down and so it kind of splits open the stem and then you take the top the scion or whatever it's called and you um, you make an angle on both sides to make it kind of look like the head of a screwdriver. Put it down in there and then put your clip on. It requires a different kind of clip than this, but they're clips that you can buy from the same sorts of places. And because it has twice the amount of area to heal, um, they have a lot higher survival rate than just the, the simple splice.
0: Um, you can do bigger plants also um, with that method. It's more efficient to do the small method. We have pretty good survival rate with the, the small method. Saves space, saves um, some, it's faster. So we just, that's what we've been doing. We'll try a few of the others. I didn't bring any of the other type, types of clips. What I was gonna say is, this is a heat mat controller. You can get these for like 20 bucks on Amazon. Um, and you can use that to run a power supply of whatever you're using to and to heat your, Heat your area to keep it warm. I've got um, commercial heat mats that I that I start my seeds on. You could plug it up to a little space heater or whatever, and and set your temperature. This goes like to tenth of a tenth of a degree um, um, temperatures, so you can set it right at 75, and it'll keep it between 72 and 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 78 and tell you precisely what your temperature is all the time with the little probe that comes with it. So that's a handy thing to have.
1: So now if you're interested, you are welcome to try your hand. You can come up here and get supplies. Just get a plate and a cup of dirt and a top cup and take it back to your seats. You'll need to get a blade too. We have, we have blades here.
0: We have 20 razor blades. Uh, we probably have enough tomato plants that everybody could do one if you want to take one. Um, we've got enough plates and cups and plants, but we'll we'll have to share razor blades between a few people. Um, we I don't mind if a couple people if you take turns, a couple people at a time working at the tables. Um, you can also do it on your lap. Just try not to spill too much dirt around. Um, also, just to, uh, Agra did not ask us to bring tomato plants. I, um, we you're welcome to make a contribution. Um, like $2 would be a suggested donation per plant if if you are able, just to cover the cost of seeds, clips, soil, other accessories. Um, rootstock tomato seeds cost near to 50 cents each, 40, 50 cents a piece. So they're not cheap. So we uh, we just plant plant what we need.
1: But you've covered the cost even if you get one extra tomato. So if you look at it that way, it's absolutely worthwhile. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, we'll take some questions right now. Also, you guys can start coming up. My wife can help you, and I'll answer questions. Uh, we've got um, we've got one of these mitre graft uh, things at each table. We also have got ten razor blades at each table. Um, you're welcome. You can squirt your squirt uh, a little alcohol in your hands if you like with these bottles. They have a hole poked in, underneath the lid. Um, the uh, my wife will help you with the tomato plants over here. The, the, the clips will fall off, if you want to know when do you take the clips off, they'll, they'll fall off by themselves as the plant gets bigger. They'll come off by themselves, so just after a few weeks just let them, they'll let them fall off on, on their own accord. You can put some There's a little, hole, a little tube hole at the back side of these clips, that's made for putting a stake through. A lot of people put a little, small, like skewer-type stake to keep the plant stabilized. We haven't found this to be necessary um, in our experience, though it very well could help, especially if you're grafting small, smaller plants. All right, so you're going to need you're going to need to find get a you're going to need to get a a rootstock tomato. And my wife can help you with that and then you can choose a big beef plant or a green zebra plant and um, then, yeah. then you'll slice off each one at a 60 degree angle and clip them together. Miss the inside of your cup and then try to tape it onto the top of the other cup. Now I'm happy to put these in a cardboard box on a climate controlled heat map for the rest of the conference here and you can write with one of these markers your name on it and then pick it up uh, at the end of the conference or you're welcome to take it take it to your take it to your own place and manage it yourself
1: (laughs) what do you want for your top do you want big B Give it
0: diff, diff and give it Any other questions? Luke, have you ever propagated your own um rootstock tomatoes? No, we uh, uh, we now we've not saved, se- saved seeds, seeds from our own rootstocks. rootstocks. I've are thought root about, rootstocks. Rootstocks. I've about doing that. I haven't. Um, I they're all hybrid. Um, and, but I'm sure they would produce some rootstock-type plants because I think I, I think I have some naturalized ones in my seed starting house that just come up every year. So I've not saved seeds from my, my own rootstocks, but it, it's something to trial.
1: That's what I was going to ask the same question. I was thinking of doing the same thing.
0: Like yeah. So what you would do in that case is just plant a rootstock seed and not graft it. Let it f- let it fruit and seed and try saving the seeds. Now it's a wide cross um, between um, some kind of distantly related tomato relatives and its offspring when it self-pollinates are gonna segregate a little bit into very various variations and recombinations. So you're not gonna have as consistent of a rootstock when you save your own rootstock seeds. Um, you could develop an open-pollinated strain of rootstock seed, but there's none commercially available. But there are for the rest of the kinds of tomatoes, so I'm sure they could be developed for rootstock as well. So that would be a good uh, seed breeding project, and you'd have to do your own experimenting on on the qualities. Yeah,
1: it's fifty cents a seed. Yeah.
0: So if you're planting tomatoes into the same greenhouse or the same high tunnel every year, eventually you're at risk for getting disease pressure building up. And that's the main reason people started grafting was to overcome the disease pressure without having to move their greenhouse. What do you think your success rate was the first time you tried it? The first time I tried it, I, I probably, I've had about, probably started with seventy to eighty percent, and then we try to be eighty to ninety percent now. So I've, I mean, it really it worked out fairly well the first time we tried it. Um, one of the mistakes that I made early on was after I'd grafted them I really watered them heavily just because I thought hey they're gonna need plenty of moisture in the, in the roots uh, in, in the, and that was a mistake now the problem is if you water it right before or right after you graft it sucks up all that water and increases the uh, water pressure to put it in simple terms in the lower stem and, that, and it's pushing water up through that stem and will actually push, separate the two, uh, the, the it'll separate uh, the uh, graft there, and you will lose your your connection. So at the, on the other hand, you don't want them to be too dry because they have to last a few days with the moisture, the the environmental moisture there. So we want them to be moist. So you give them a good watering maybe the night before, and make sure they're well soaked the night before but they've but they've kind of equalized after that watering so I we would graft them dip them in dip the bottom of the block in water let it fully saturate and then and then put them in the healing chamber and we and when we did that we lost more plants than we had before so um, so don't overwater them um, right right during the grafting process also a lot of people will if you notice these plants they have a slight amount of purple on the leaves that's from stress from a little bit of temperature stress a little not too much um, nutrition in the soil um, that makes a tougher plant in um, that it's you don't want it growing too too fast or it has a harder time healing you want a little bit tougher plant that you don't want it growing too slow either but a little purple on the leaves is good during the grafting process um, you want to slow down the growth before you go to graft so lower the temperature for a few days or um, and just make don't have them just on a high humidity high heat high fertilizer regimen with really um, tender growth or they'll have a harder time making it through the grafting process so when you do this, you have to seed 20% extra. Yeah, we just we seed extra and then we give if we and what we often end up doing is if we have extra plants at the end of the season, we share them with the in-laws and the parents and the cousins or and sell some.
1: So remember now, you're going to cut at an angle below the seed leaves on the rootstock. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you can cut the top at the same angle. But it doesn't really matter where on the stem. Just try to match the diameter of the stems. If there's too many leaves on your top, trim off some of them, and then splice them together with that with that grafting clip. Make
0: sure you miss the inside of your plastic cup, and then tape it tape tape it up well. And then, if you want to write your name on your cup, we are happy to keep it here for the rest of the conference in a warm box. Um, or you're welcome to take it with you. Yeah, yeah. Just miss the hole inside of the cup, so it's covered with droplets, and then tape it onto the top of your. Yeah. Now we've got a few rolls of tape around here. Yeah, that looks good. Looks good.
1: The big holes in your um, in your grafting clips are for little stakes. Some people stake all of their tomatoes. They put little like coffee straws or something else, tiny little dowels in there to keep the tomatoes upright. We don't do that and we found that they do just fine. But if you want to, you can, that big hole is to hold a stake through it.
0: Squeeze on the big tube and the little tiny thing will open up. Keep, yeah, just, yeah, just keep it dark now. Ideally it will not be touching the edge, but that's probably okay. That'll be fine. So yeah, you want to keep it uh, in the dark for about four days. Um, three days complete dark, and then the fourth day you can, a little indirect light. I, I've got some cardboard boxes, I was going to put them, these cardboard boxes on a heat mat, throw a towel over them, um, and I'm if you write your name on it, you can get it from me. You want to keep it dark for the first four days.
1: Okay. All right. This is my top. That's your top. It doesn't I matter. Did I cut that in too short. It doesn't.
0: That's okay. We can get. It doesn't matter if you cut the top below or above these leaves. You can do either one. Not, do I need the leaves on? Now this. That's okay. You have an okay amount of leaves there. I would cut it probably right above or right below. You can and cut those little leaves off this mind. one. Yeah, at the same angle as that one. Okay. And you can retrim it if you need.
1: now. Now you need your clip.
0: Put the clip on the lower plant first. And then you can slide the other one down onto it. that you do. Then you just slide the one over the top. Yeah, and just make sure the two things line up and push together well. Do you need to water at all Um if if the soil's moist, that might you want it be moist but not soaked. It wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt, just. So. so look,
1: when this one dries, we take the cup out and we sprinkle yeah. in the cup
0: again. Yeah, it, but hopefully it won't dry out if it's taped up well. Okay. Oh, I'll put my name on it. Yeah. Yeah. You can just set it back into the box there. So. Oh. Now we are in cabin 6B, six B. Six B. Six B. And I'll pr- I'll. Pr- and um of the car I have a yeah. insulated work or uh-huh. Well you want to just keep it 70 to 80 and it will heal faster that way if it's too cold it will take longer to heal um, but basically I've you're welcome to keep them wherever you like if you want to keep them with me I'm happy to watch them and then on, on uh, today's Thursday Friday Saturday evening maybe I could Bring the box out to the uh my at the ad agra stand at the at the exhibit um, at the exhibit hall. But
1: how about, can we get it tomorrow night? If you
0: want to take it tomorrow night that's fine. Night. Okay. That's fine. Six B. Six B six B. Okay. six B. Um no she doesn't have to. Okay. Those are fine. Get your clip. If it if that's it doesn't the top, it, That's the top If it's on the bottom you don't want you don't want them on there. Okay. This right here? Oh, it's too big. So if you want to make a $2 donation, you're welcome just to pay us some cash now or later. Our cash app hashtag is Fisher's Produce. <laughs> so you can cash app us at Fisher's Produce or PayPal at Fisher's Produce at gmail.com.
1: But you cut it below the last leaf on the bottom,
0: right? Yes, yeah, so you okay. get rid of that node. That's what we do. Well, that just it, it can it, it can grow new shoots out of that. I think it might be able to grow new shoots out of the out of that junction. It's more likely to. Now, I might be mistaken, but I'm just telling you what our practice has been. I was just curious. You can leave it on the table. You can keep it if you want, but I've I've got twenty of them here. All right, here's a roll of tape. For anybody that wants to tape their cup. Yes, I do.
1: She's having a hard time getting her top to this
0: bottom. Okay, I'll help her here. You can just, you can, well, let me see. Yeah, right there, you'll have, so since that cut is right at the leaves, you probably need to recut it, cut, cut it so the leaves are off. You have to be above or below those enough that they don't hit. is too fat for my bottom. All right, let me, so we'll, yeah, you need to, it, so our solution to that will be cut this higher, mm-hmm, and you might pinch off a little bit of that. You take the tip off? No, that's the tip's in the middle there. That's, a, that's, that's okay how it is now. Okay. So let's try just, and you can lay it on the on the cuff, I mean on the plate, and just cut against the plate.
1: Yeah. How did, you get, did you get a zebra?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's much harder doing it than
1: what you're watching. I know, right? I'm glad we're getting to do it. Does that look,
0: look right? Yeah, it looks good. So, miss the inside of your cup, then tape okay. it on there. If If you want us to keep it, put your name on it so we know so where what it came from. We'll just leave it on the plate. We'll I mean, can you? I mean, no, if I was at home. Oh, you can we can put it back and throw it into your next batch of soil blocks mix if you want. <laughs> oh, you're
1: um,
0: you can't I mean not you don't want to, that plants done But you could use that soil and for something if you wanted what what
1: what, a top variety do what varieties
0: do we grow we grow a selection we grow a lot of big Dina um, we grow big Dina we but, but we're always trialing some new varieties We're growing, this year we'll be growing some um, margold, gin fizz, uh, um, and what else are we growing? Um, Marnoir. Yeah, we essentially do big bean, of bee, orange, and then... we grow, we yeah, we grow some Chef's Choice orange and and we're going to try some Chef's Choice orange and V orange this year. We really like the orange because it's so bigger. I also we had we really were very pleased with the Torch series that Johnny's um, sold last year. I, those were really great tomatoes. They, they were big, but small enough we could still clamshell them. And they grew well. They tasted good. We were really pleased with those. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org dot org